and then I wanted to make sure I say your name correctly. It's Chipo Chicomo. Is that right? Yes, yes. It's like yeah, yeah. You you, have, you you were born speaking Shona, the language that we speak here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, wow. That's a compliment. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, good. Okay, so I just want to make sure we get all that. All right. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Days for Girls podcast, a show about breaking barriers for women and girls around the world. I'm your host, Jessica Williams, Chief Communications Officer at Days for Girls International. At Days for Girls, we believe in a world where periods are never a problem. We are on a mission to shatter the stigma and limitations associated with menstruation by increasing access to sustainable period products and menstrual health education for all people with periods. I wanted to read some of the incredible reviews that we've been getting because they're so fun. Kim the Quilter says, here is a podcast that gets at the heart of an issue that is even today swept under the rug. So pleased that this information is available. Heidi M.I. says, so inspiring and eye-opening. Hearing about the work this organization does and the experiences they have all over the world has enriched my life immensely. I am so grateful for all that they do. Such an awesome podcast. And Grateful Samsey says, can a conversation change lives? Of course, it's transformative. These conversations are as meaningful as they are interesting. More please. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate all the incredible reviews. Thank you. Thank you for your wonderful support. And please tell your friends. And if you haven't left a review, if you haven't subscribed, please do so today. It makes a huge difference. And do it on Apple iTunes if you can. This is where it really counts. Apple iTunes is the number one podcast app in the world. The more ratings, reviews, and subscribes we get, the more people we reach. Today's guest is Chipo Chicomo, a leading social entrepreneur whose vision is to revolutionize the feminine hygiene industry. Chipo not only wants to ensure women and girls have access to sustainable feminine hygiene products, but that they are empowered with technical expertise to manufacture them locally. Her quest to empower women and girls saw her start her organization called Nanga Trust, which in the Shona language means the girl's bedroom. She was so passionate about empowering women and girls to be the drivers of their destiny that she partnered with Days for Girls International to empower underserved women to make reusable sanitary kits for rural school girls. She is such a rock star. She has received so many scholarships and awards that there's just too many to list. But one of the most notable things is that Chipa was part of the Mandela Washington Fellowship in 2016, which was a flagship program by the former President Barack Obama. Today's interview is part of our celebration for International Women's Day. Chipo is so inspirational how much she has achieved in her lifetime, and she's still so young. She has so many dreams she's working on, and I'm really excited to share this inspirational episode with you. It's a little longer than we normally do, but it's because Chipo had such a wonderful story, and there was so much I wanted to make sure she got to share with you. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Now let's go on to the show. So Chipo, I was telling you before we started the recording uh, that you're quite a legend at Days for Girls. Uh, uh, When I came on board last year, everybody said, have you talked to Chipo? She has this great story. She's so wonderful. And so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you and getting to know you. 
I'm deeply flattered that um, people are saying that about me. So yeah, let's just jump and uh, get ready to hear more. <laughs> Perfect. So let's start with this. Um, how did you first learn about Days for Girls? How did Days for Girls International appear on your radar? You know what? Um, it, it took me to actually come to the U.S. to know about Days for Girls. So it's been quite a journey. I think with other people, it's a matter of a click of a button. They just Google and maybe they're sent in suggestions. But with me, um, I was selected for a fellowship program um, by the then uh, president of the United States, um, uh, President Barack Obama. So it's called um, the Mandela Washington Fellowship, and it selects, um, you know, uh, bright, upcoming young Africans to come to the U.S. so that they can share experiences, uh, build networks on things that they're working on or things that they're passionate about. So it's in hope that they're going to meet with different um, companies or organizations which they can build um, lasting relationships. So I've been, I had been, you know, talking about um, this wild idea that I had uh, then that um, I wanted to start, um, you know, making washable sanitary towels. So people in my country didn't even know what I was talking about. We had this challenge where we are importing all our sanitary towels from different countries. And when they now come to Zimbabwe, they become very expensive for women and girls to afford them. So in terms of trying to negotiate the prices, we, we didn't know who to go to because the countries are either in another continent or that you don't even know who to start contacting. So for me, it was, you know what, if we could start making um, our own uh, pads in our country, then we're actually solving this challenge that we have in the country. And I was, you know, pitching to different organizations that we could make washable sanitary towels and they would be asking me, have you seen them? I had never seen one. Uh, how do you want to make them if you don't even know about them? So one of the things that they did it was they believed in what I was doing so much that at first I was given two grants. So I actually bought sewing machines and I didn't even know what I was going to sew. And then that's when I was also selected to come to the U.S. So I didn't even know what I was going to do, but I knew there were companies in the U.S. Um, so I had Googled some of them. But um, I never come across Days for Girls. So when I was in the U.S., I was um, at the University of Iowa. That's when we're doing our um, business training. So I kept on, you know, talking to my uh, professors that, you know, I'm looking for a company that we can work together because I, I want something, um, an organization that is... Um, is, is, is like a social enter, enterprise where we're actually trained because I don't want to, to be importing ready-made products, but we want to empower the communities back home with the skills to be able to make the products as well. And um, an organization that is empowering for, it's a win-win for all of us. So, um, so I kept on pitching the looking for referrals if they knew of 
any such organizations. And then one day we went to visit the University of Iowa hospitals and one of the doctors, they had heard about Days for Girls and they say, you know what, we, I know about this organization called Days for Girls, but I don't have the contacts. You just search for them and I hope uh, you'll be able to, to, to network and have a long lasting partnership. And then that was it. I went and I Googled Days for Girls, got the contact details, uh, made a phone call. I, I think um, I talked to the someone in the at the reception, and then they directed me to Celeste. I said, you know what, I've come to the U.S. and I, I cannot live without you know, um, what I came here for. So. I was looking for an organization like you. So I read up about this for girls. I was like, you know, this is a perfect fit. So that was it. And there was, I, I think there was an, a team which was in Iowa. The next day they came to meet me. So I was actually looking for people that were around me, but we didn't know each other. <laughs> so they came, they showed me the kids and I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for. So from there on, I can say the rest, rest is history, but that's how I got to know about Days for Girls. I'd never heard of it, but it took me coming all the way to the US so that I can uh, learn more about Days for Girls. And that is how it began. <laughs> I love that. What a great story of tenacity and perseverance and, and trying to, you know, network your way in. I love that journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So take me back to that, that time. So you met Celeste and you're like, it's a perfect fit and you're going back to Africa. So what do you, what did you do next? So we actually, uh, I've never met Celeste, so it was via um, a, a telephone call that I made. Um, so I, I think with the skills that they were teaching us, I was able to pitch maybe convincingly <laughs> such that the next day she had connected me to other people. So I'm really grateful for the program that I went to um, so that we're taught how to, you know, talk to different, um, you know, people uh, in an engaging way. Um, so it was, I've never met her, so it was valid at the telephone. So from there on, uh, I came back home. I was just so excited um, to get the ball rolling. Um, but what I didn't know was that, you know, the, you know, you were not just going to be given, you know, it wasn't just you being spoon fed that, you know, years you've got um, now uh, this organization that you now want to work with. Uh, but with uh, Days for Girls, they were, they knew that they had to train us. You had to go through a leadership program. You had to go through ambassador of training um, of health. And then you had to pass it uh, before you even start all the sewing, you know, so for me, I, I was thinking, you know what, I've, uh, I've come from the U.S., I've got the sewing machines, and the next thing, we're just going to have the pattern sent to us, and then we're going to start sewing, but it was not so. Um, but we then, um, through the training, we're doing it now online. So we were able to uh, start sewing because we were just so excited that finally we had... Um, you know, met an organization that was doing it. So when we finished the, the, the theory part, we then went to the practical. So we are using uh, the links that were sent to us, the video links, um, just reading through the pattern guidelines and everything. And then 
uh, would I would translate it to uh, Shona language so that the seamstresses would understand what was going on. But one of the challenges that we had was we didn't have any of the raw materials that we needed to use. So it was quite a challenge. In Zimbabwe, we only had thread. So, uh, you know, trying to get into the fabric shops and uh, telling them about SNAPs or um, PUL, 100% cotton, you know, they would just look at you like the whole list that I'd written, there was nothing that they had. Mm. So it was one of those <laughs> nightmares that they just look at you. They're like, okay, maybe you can bring samples of what you're talking about. I'm like, I don't even have samples. This is what I <laughs> Like we've never heard of what you're talking about. I'm like, no, this is, we, we need this uh, fabric called PUL. They're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I had to actually um, send my mother to, to South Africa and she then bought um, the fabric there. Though some of it was hard to get because you're not aware of where you're actually going. Um, it's in a different country. Um, so it's like um, a wild goose chase. Maybe you're looking for something that's already there and then you go to another province or you go to another city. Um, yeah, so that was what was going on. But after that, we now know where to get um, some of the things, but we are still importing all of our raw materials because in our country right now, we cannot access um, all these um, fabrics that we use locally at the moment. Mm. So did you know how to sew when all of this started? You know what? I didn't know how to sew. Uh, <laughs> and up to now, what I know how to do is I read a lot. So I know so much about the paired and how to sew it as if I can sew it, but I don't have the, the skill. And when I, uh, by the time I wanted to, to learn more about it, there's so much work that I have to do in terms of admin and stuff like that. But I know how to put the press pads. So I do the packing as well. I, I assist in the packing to ensure that the pads are nicely packed. And I also do the quality assurance. <laughs> so in terms of creating more employment, I just said, you know what, let me just stick to what I know best and empower more women to become the tailors. So yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a win-win. Um, I get to do more of the admin work and <laughs> they get to be empowered in um, the actual sewing. But I know what the pad is supposed to look like. So uh, I look at it, even though we've got someone who is responsible for uh, the quality and everything. Eventually, I, I look at it. I know what is gold standard. I know what is not gold standard. So I actually measure. I can just take a few samples and then I can just measure them and say, oh, no, 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 this is not gold standard. I think you're, not so, you're supposed to do this and supposed to do that. Yeah, so they can't cheat me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm still like, I, I wanted you to take me deeper into this whole journey because um, you come back and you make it sound so simple. Like you just, you know, recruited some women, they started sewing and now you, you know, you get some fabric and, you know, but I mean, how did you, did you have people in your community who were ready and willing? Did you have to go out and, and convince them to join you? And like, did you have to find a space and, you know, and all of those things that went into making this enterprise happen? 
You know what? Um, it's not as easy as it seems. <laughs> um, but just when you're talking about it, it can take maybe 30 minutes, but it has taken years <laughs> unfolding. They say that um, overnight mm-hmm. success takes years of preparation. So when someone is talking, they're having an interview, you know, you just feel, okay, wow, they just had it all figured out. They knew that, okay, <laughs> if I do this, and then this is what's going to happen. But it was never like that. Um, I can take you back at a time when I started working. So I couldn't get a job in the city where I grew up in, uh, which is the capital city. And I'd gone to, uh, my parents had sacrificed so much so that I could get, go to the best university in the country and when I finished, I couldn't get a job. However, <laughs> I had gone to the, one of the best universities in the country and I was at home. I was just seated, not doing anything. I think I was just waiting for the job to just, you know, find me or drop in the sky. So when I realized that nothing was happening, I then I applied um, to the to work for the government in one of the ministries uh, for women affairs. And because I was still a junior, um, and the ministry was just starting. They then posted me in one of the poorest districts in the country. And, um, you know, it, it was in the rural area, like one of the most hottest places in the country. There is, um, the electricity was there, but it's, all, it's, it's like it's never there. It's there, but it's never there. It's never available. It's always, there's always something happening, some cable, um, you know, falling or something like that, or being struck by lightning. Something is just always happening. Um, there's erratic water supply, even the rains. So when I got there, I everyone just said, you know, there's there's no way going to survive in such a place. Even the community themselves say that, you know what, we're just giving you one week. There's no way uh, someone like you can survive in this place. So we're giving you one week. One week, you'd have packed your bags and gone. <laughs> so in one week, um, I fell in love with the place, um, you know, just, you know, I, I realized that, you know, we are the ones to make our country better. If everyone who is trained to make the country better always says that, you know what, there's no way I'm going to sacrifice to work in such a place or stuff like that, then there's no one who's going to come. So that has always been um, what I stand for, that I'm not going to wait for another person from another country we we can do it we can do it here in Zimbabwe no matter how young or old we can still do it so I decided to work there and when I was looking for supplies um, uh, some toiletries I went to this shop and then I was surprised there were some tampons and there were also pads I didn't expect that I was going to see them available because it was so remote and um, so I asked them, because they were so dusty, so I then asked them, oh, why are the pairs and taboos, the, the packaging is just so dusty? They were like, you know what? No one ever buys them. So um, if you can, so all the women that were in the shop are selling, and they were like, you know what? No one has ever bought them. Ever since we started working here for, some were saying one year, some were saying two years, no one has ever bought them. So can you please explain to us what that is? So to me, I was wondering, what are they using? If I have to explain to them that this is a tampon, this is a pad, this is how you use it. So I then bought my supplies. I explained to them that this is how you um, 
this is what they're used for. They were like, you know what? We don't even know. We didn't even know that this is what they're used uh, for, but they are selling the product. So I think that is when the seed was sown Mm. that I was working in that area and um, just being surrounded by such poverty where um, people don't have never seen a pet. They don't even know how to use a pet. You know, you're talking of maybe 30 year olds that have never used a pet or never used a tampoon. So that is when later on I then um, transferred and got another job in the city, but it never left me. Um, I then just had, you know, there were just so many stories that we, um, people were just talking about um, how some girls were not able to go to school because they didn't have sanitary uh, towels. Um, To be honest, I'd never had an experience where my parents could not afford to buy sanitary towels for me. However, what had happened um, was one of the triggers was it was something that wasn't given priority in my country. So I remember when I was 16 years old, I was writing my final national examination papers and it was the first paper that I was writing. And I think because of the stress, the anxiety, everything going on, I just started my periods and I didn't have any tampons that I had carried or pairs that I had carried. And I just had my book and my papers that I had just carried so that I could be able to just read and just write my exam. I didn't even have my my my, my bag. Um, but I remembered we had had a company, I think it was um, one of the companies that makes uh, some pets that had come before and they had trained us. So I'd been given a box of mini tampons. Uh, I think there were about six of them. They were in my blazer. So I just kept them there. Um, so because I could not find um, somewhere to buy, you're at school, there's no way you're going to go out of school to go to the shops to go and buy the, the, the pets. So I wished that our schools would have maybe in the toilets where we could just access uh, sanitary towels when you need them um, in emergency uh, like um, situations like the one that I had experienced. So that's when I started using tampoons, but because I didn't even know how to use it, I think I just put it just, you know, it didn't even reach where it was supposed to reach. I just, because I was so scared. So for the next two hours, I was writing my exams. I was in so much excruciating pain that I have never experienced in my life. Mm. Oh, I didn't even know what to do. Thank God I passed that exam, but you know, it was just a horrendous experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was just so horrific that's how I can say it you know you've got something that you that is stuck in you know and it's just so painful you know oh, girl I have I been there know, I know because I don't I know, know how to feeling. use it and I didn't know who to ask you know and I'm writing my exam so you know it's those things that when you look back, you're like, you know, they were triggering you that, you know, if I was experiencing some of those things, I'm sure so many um, girls and women are experiencing even worse. So when you just hear those stories, they were just constantly coming. And then people were having the uh, paid drives where they're doing campaigns and then buying and donating. Uh, But I always thought this is not a sustainable solution to the challenge that we have. This is just not sustainable. We need to have a long-lasting solution where we have pests that are locally manufactured and that 
they are washable as well so that we give options to girls on what they can use. Um, so we have um, people coming to maybe various platforms and then they do campaigns. So for me, I was like, you know what? I want to solve this challenge differently from what I'm seeing, how people are going about it. Um, I want to be in that space where we provide the products plus the health education because it's something maybe that I lacked that um, that led me not to be able to use the, the tampons that I'd been given correctly. Um, and it's a topic that we never talked about. It's something that you cannot talk about. Um, so there was just so many myths, stigma, you know, misconceptions, you know, that you have that you don't know who to ask and you cannot talk about it. So, yeah, it was one of those uh, situations that um, led me to, to start um, working on that. So I then left my job that I was working. Uh, so I was working for one of the, now I was now working for uh, one of the Belgian governmental agencies in the country. And it was a, such a great job. So when I left that job, uh, people thought I was crazy. I was mad. They're like, I was taking it too far. Uh, you're talking about pairs that you have never seen that you start, you want to start making. Um, so I selected to go to India for a leadership course. So I went to India. Um, however, when I was, went there, I couldn't find companies that were making them then in India at that time. But I came with um, leadership skills and they were willing to help me build um, this enterprise. Um, they were just saying, you know what, we don't know what you're talking about, but we believe that it's going to be successful. We believe that you're going to, to, to do it and um, it's going to be beneficial to the country. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I'm just... I'm so impressed. Of, like, you overcame so many things to get where you are today, like people telling you you're crazy and people not knowing what you're talking about. And how, like, how did, how did you become so um, courageous and like push through all of that adversity and all of those challenges? What drove you? You know what? Um, the first thing is, I think my background um, I think you need to have something that you stand on. I'm a Christian, so uh, one of the things is I meditate a lot. And you know, I, I just believe that there are some things, some principles that you just need to stand on. Um, if it's tenacity, if it's patience. So I just knew that anything good uh, doesn't come easy. And there's some training that I need to go through. Maybe I'm like Joseph, I need to be first sold out or something like that, but I'm going through training. Um, so I cannot just start something without the necessary knowledge um, on, on what I'm doing. So I always knew that, you know, um, whatever is going on, even if it's delaying, uh, but I'm learning a lot through that. So even if it means that I'm sacrificing uh, my finances, that I would not have um, you know, the finances that I was comfortable with when I was working, but I know that I'm actually being exposed to some knowledge that I didn't have uh, as well. And or I'm being exposed to um, some 
training or something that I didn't know at that time, or I'm having this network, building this network um, that I didn't have. So at first, actually, my family uh, wasn't supportive at first. They were like, you know, I think they were one of those people, uh, you know, people that are close to you because they see your potential. So it's not like they, they don't like what you're doing, but they don't want to see you get hurt because they will be there to now, you know, wipe your tears. So at times they just try to cushion you from being too ambitious or something like that, or chasing the wind or something like that, you know, because you are you are pitching to them something that they've never heard of. So at first they were thinking, I think Chipo has just lost it. You know, she's just now going crazy. <laughs> um, so, so really they didn't understand how someone can leave a great job, a great career, to sit at home because at first I was actually at home. I was seated. They were trying to find the reasons why I'd left it, the job. I was like, no, there's, I, I need to do something more. There's, you know, I'm still young. I want to at least try something. If it doesn't work out, I can always look for a job. So they were like, how can you sacrifice all that for something that you don't even know that is going to work out? So I had to plead with them to say, you know what? Um, I would rather leave knowing that I tried than to leave knowing that um, I could have done this and I would regret it and, you know, always say that you are the ones who stopped me from doing what I wanted to do at that time. So they understood sort of <laughs> at that time, but they were just folding their hands, looking and saying, you know what, we don't even understand how, what she's, she, she wants to do. But right now, my family is very much involved in what I'm doing. My mother, my husband, my brother, my sister, all of them can sew. Um, so they assist me in whatever uh, we are doing. They, 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 you know, I, I can leave the country for maybe six months. I know they can run everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible so right now they are the biggest cheerleaders because now they're like you know what we never thought this is going to work how did you do it you know, did you always know that it's going to work out so if they now see um the different partners coming into the office they're like you know what we're actually surprised that um you know, we, you, you now have all these embassies coming they are actually ordering these pets you know wow, we're actually surprised. Others are coming to just have videos done. So even when I went to the uh, US, they were like, you know what? So you were actually selected to go and see President Barack Obama because of these pets. <laughs> they just couldn't understand <laughs> because you've got this idea of making pets, you know? So to them, they just couldn't understand it. So even when I came back, I was invited by our first lady to go to... Uh, the state house here in Zimbabwe. So they accompanied me. They're like, you know what? You're seeing the first lady all because of this, this pet. So to them, it's still, you know, they just can't believe that all because of following my passion about pets that is now opening all these doors. But they, they now realize that there is so much need out there that we're now solving. So many girls that are now able to go to school for years uh, without being interacted because, interrupted because they don't have um, 
sanitary towels to use. So let's talk about some of the doors that are opening for you. Um, you've your organization's called the Nanga Trust, which in the Shona yes. language means the the girls' bedroom, right? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the organization, and I want to know, like, how many people, how many people work there, and um, what are some of the projects that you're currently working on or excited about, and what's your like vision for the future? Okay, so currently we've got ten people um, currently working, including myself, and then uh, because of the the COVID, the, the pandemic. Um, we've had to have tailors work remotely. Um, so we've got some tailors who um, working, we are working in the comfort of their homes. So they come, they cut out what they need to use and then they sew. And then um, when they come, we just check what they are sewing. And then we've got now others who are working in the vicinity. So it's a walkable distance. They can always come at any time that they want they want to so we've got um, flexible working hours because um we you know what one of the things that has always been limiting women especially from africa is because um most of the conventional working hours are not favorable to most women to be able to come to work some of them need to leave home uh later uh when they have done all the household chores, sent the children to school or cooked for their children. So at times they end up having challenges with their spouses because the spouses will be like, you know what, because you're going to work now, you're not able to cook for the children, you're not able to do the laundry. So we've got work, um, flexible working hours where the woman just comes anytime that they want to work, come to work. So they can spend the whole day without coming. They can spend two weeks without coming, we are not going to follow them up unless it's an emergency. Uh, we're not going to say, you know, why are you not coming to work? However, what we do is we just pay them, pay how many they work, um, they make. So if it means they're going to be coming in the evenings, so others will be like, you know what, in the afternoon or during the day, I'm actually at my market store uh, selling or doing whatever I want to do. And then I'm able to come in the evening. So be it. We are always open for them. If they want to come in the evening to 12 p uh, midnight, <laughs> they can always come. Um, so that's how we currently are working. And then we, with our partnerships, um, the first one was um, Kantari Institute, where I was trained in India. They believed in, uh, they're one of the first people to believe in the vision and what I wanted to do. So they're the ones that first gave me the seed funding to actually come and register when I got back home. Um, they believed in the vision so much that um, they were like, you know what, um, you can go back home, uh, buy machinery and stuff like that so that you can at least try out your idea of what you want to do. And then from there on, it has been uh, different organizations um, like the U.S. Embassy. Uh, they're the ones that selected me to go to the U.S. And even up to now, we have, um, they, they keep on following up to see where we are, uh, whatever support we, we, we can get from there. Uh, from them. So monthly we have Zoom meetings. Uh, we just had one just last week. So we've got Zoom meetings where we just discuss uh, what we are doing, 
what further support they can you know assist us uh with so that we remain uh viable in some of the challenges that we are going through so they are the ones that also uh, made it possible through the US embassy to get funding from um the United States African Development Foundation um USADF so they also gave me funding so that um I could buy machinery um and also some of the raw materials you know when you first start you know you have got all these errors so they were willing i'm very thankful that they were willing to walk me through my mistakes because i started buying um the wrong materials because i was just so passionate so at times i'd buy t-shirt material thinking that i'm going to start making the panties and then later on that's when i'll be told that you actually need a flossing machine to be able to make these panties that you have bought the uh t-shirt material for the panties for and then all the first batch of my the the the, the machines that we bought uh they were domestic machines um so when we started producing more they were always breaking um you know so we spent we spent more time fixing them than actually doing the actual sewing that's when later on when we got again another grant from unicef and snv um we were able now to buy um the industrial machines so those ones we can sew anytime any day without them you know breaking easily so you know most of these organizations they were willing to just you know make let us make some of these mistakes and help us grow in those mistakes so even with days for girls they've been you know very incredible in you know just willing to work with us you know from making our first pad which wasn't gold standard and you know working with us through the whole process and ensuring that we get fabric um in a country where we cannot get fabric um like zimbabwe so they're always connecting us so all these organizations that we have been working with they keep on working with us um it sometimes it's not financial but it's just networking um you know referring to you to an opportunity that you can work with this organization you can work with that person you know so they've constantly been opening all those doors for us like right now i think in zimbabwe i can safely say that we make the best pad quality wise when people look at it they're like you know what this is just the standard is just up there you know it's export quality it's you know it's something that when a girl looks at it they they really would love to use the pad so we are just so excited that there's been so many people who have been willing to walk with us through that process um such that we are able to now make such a pad so we've also won awards um like the 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 environmental management authority of zimbabwe this is the largest um governing authority in terms of the environment uh so in 2019 we were given an award the one of the best eco innovations in the country so you've got um city councils being awarded awards if they came first in whatever they were doing you've got different mining companies so it's actually a huge platform to showcase what you're doing um yeah so i think so far the journey 
as we are now seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, there's still some challenges, but you know what? It's quite fulfilling. It's incredible. I just, I love how far you've come and, um, you know, looking, let's say 10 years in the future, um, do you have a, an idea of where you would like to be and the impact you would like to have had? You know what? Um, 10 years from now, um, we want to to have reached the whole country. Like we want to be a household name because right now we're still just a small enterprise. Um, we're still learning, but whatever we have learned, we know that we can now replicate it across the country. So we want to really be, you know, a household name in the country such that when someone talks about uh, washables, we are the ones that come to, to, to their minds. Just like when someone talks about uh, toothpaste, naturally, you just think, if you're in Zimbabwe, just think of Colgate. We actually refer to Colgate as just the same as toothpaste. Where we don't even use the word uh, toothpaste because it has just become such a household name. So we will say, I want to buy uh, Colgate um, close up. Something like that it doesn't make sense to other people, but that's what we mean. <laughs> Just using a household um, brand that has grown so much, uh, that's what we aim to be. And we want to also be able to, you know, when there's a disaster in another country, we also want to be able to send our kids to uh, that country, like when there was that blast in Lebanon um, last year. We want to be also be able not only to um, supply the needs of Zimbabwe, but also to supply the needs of uh, the rest of Africa. So that is our dream that we have. And also to venture into other products as well. Yeah. Mm. So like um, washable diapers uh, or other diapers that are washable. You know, I've been just researching more about it, just looking at how they are made. And then you can, you can see that it's almost the same materials, but we haven't really researched much on that one. So it's all those future plans that we have to revolutionize the sanitary products industry in the country and beyond. Amazing. Well, Chipo, I have just been so grateful for this conversation. I, I've gotten a lot out of it personally. I've been, I feel really inspired and like impressed by what you've been able to accomplish and how far you've come and what you've, what you've overcome to get where you are. And I, I think our listeners will feel the same way. And I, I've just really enjoyed this conversation. If people want to connect with you, if they want to support you, how can they find you? Okay, I'm on Facebook, um, on LinkedIn. So on Facebook is Chipo Zoe Chikomo. And on LinkedIn is Chipo Chikomo. And I'm also, my email is chipo at daysforgirls.org. So they can um, just get in touch with me on all those platforms or just uh, visit the Days for Girls website and just write a general question that they are looking for me. And I'm sure somehow, some way they can be referred to me. Absolutely. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes. I wish you luck and and, and I hope that all of those dreams do come true for you. And um, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You're welcome. 
The Days for Girls podcast is produced by Days for Girls International. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit daysforgirls.org forward slash podcast. If you'd like to support the work we do on the show, leave a rating or a review wherever you listen. Subscribe to the show and share episodes on social media or with your friends. To learn more about Days for Girls and to join our global movement, please visit daysforgirls.org. Thank you for listening. See you next time.